Mildly Mental Podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Hannah. And this is a podcast about the real messy parts of being human. Breakups, life transitions, mental health, and all the other unedited shit that doesn't make the Instagram grid, but is a part of all of our lives. We're talking about all the feels to normalize these conversations in hopes that we feel a little less alone on this roller coaster. Yes. All right, let's strap in. Yeah, so we're going to just dive right into it. Yeah. Okay, so today... We're talking about suicide. So September is National Suicide Prevention Month and talking about suicide is suicide prevention. One of the biggest myths is that talking about suicide will plant the idea in someone's head, which isn't true. It's proven not to be true. So talking about suicide really actually reduces the anxiety around bringing the topic up. When people don't have to hide their pain, it becomes less dangerous. Mm So this can be a really emotionally charged topic and it's going to be an emotionally charged episode. And many of you may have been touched by this topic either personally or with people you know. Today, we're going to focus on having suicidal thoughts and talking about suicide with a safe person. If the topic of suicide is triggering to you, please pause here and skip this episode. If you continue listening please remember to check in with how you're feeling throughout the episode and take care of yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to take a second and pause and just say how proud I am of you for opening up about this topic. You know, suicide can feel so taboo to talk about, you know, even for those of us who haven't, you know, struggled with suicidal thoughts personally, but we've all been impacted by it in some way. And I know that this conversation is going to be so powerful. So I just want you to know how much I just really respect you for this conversation and how grateful I am to be here with you and navigate the conversation. And I know that it's just not an easy or comfortable thing to talk about. So I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I have like chills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So just to be honest with you guys, like I'm terrified to record this episode, not because I'm scared of sharing my story really, but more so because like, this is such an important topic and I really want to do it right. And there's just so much to it. I'm a certified mental health first aid instructor, so I have experience and training in that, but we're not teaching today. That's not what we're doing. This is not meant to be an all-encompassing education on suicide. There are so many elements to this topic. You know, there's postpartum suicide, veteran suicide, addiction and suicide, LGBTQ plus and suicide. And we obviously don't have the experience or expertise in all of these. So like in any other episode, this is a conversation about our experience within this bigger topic. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to record this episode to normalize talking about suicide and hopefully change people's stereotypes about it or give people, you know, some language to talk about it with. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this is a side of the conversation we don't see as much. It really often feels a lot more clinical and, you know, very serious and it is serious and can feel very scary. So it makes sense that it's been that way. But I think this also like just perpetuates this general tone of shame and severe lack of communication around it. And again, I just want to reiterate how proud I am of you for stepping into this space, you know, sharing your story and just navigating this conversation because I just think it's a really important one. And obviously, like with it being National Suicide Prevention Month, I think it's the right time to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. So with all that being said, you know, this is really going to be just an experience focused episode, really just coming from my experience. You know, I'm, I'm not the expert. Not everyone is going to feel the same way as me. But I do have a ton of resources around this. So if you're looking for ways to learn more or for help, if you're feeling suicidal or have had thoughts or know someone who is, check the show notes. I'm going to mention some of them at the end too, but also check the show notes and you can always DM to talk privately or ask for resources. Yeah, absolutely. So many of us know someone who is affected by suicide in one way or another, and suicidal thoughts can affect anyone, just like mental illness, and it's not uncommon. And there's just such a wide range of experiences within the topic of suicide. It's not just black and white. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, and I've learned so much in my friendship with you about like talking about it, the spectrum of experience. And I think one of the reasons that it can feel so taboo is because 
we just don't have the verbiage around it. We aren't hearing conversations that people are having around it. And it is presented as very black and white. Either you're suicidal and about to act on it or you're fine, like living, Mm -hmm. loving life. And that's just not the reality. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things you've taught me is the spectrum of it all. So the first time I heard this term suicidal ideation was from conversation with you. So I'd kind of love to start there. Can you share about what it is and what your experience has been with, with suicidal ideation. Yeah. So suicidal ideation itself is just having thoughts about suicide and then there's different forms of that. So I'll first start with passive suicidal ideation, which is basically having passive thoughts about dying or wanting to be dead that don't have action or intent behind them. Mm -hmm. And this experience is way more common than people think. And we we don't really talk about it because we're afraid of freaking people out or it becoming, you know, being sent away or, mm-hmm. you know, people making a big deal about it when you know that you're not actually in danger. So there also isn't a great way to measure this because not a lot of people are talking about it or letting anyone know they're having those thoughts. Yeah. Or even maybe like aware that that's what that is. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, I don't think, I mean, I talked about this like a little bit earlier, just like, I think I've had that, you know, like yeah, in, in most my people life. have at some point yeah. kind of just wanting things to like not be hard anymore. Like, yeah, I don't want to like, be here anymore types right. of thoughts. And I think like, so one of the first things I learned about suicide that really helped me talk to people about it and understand it is most people who are suicidal or experiencing suicidal thoughts don't want to die. Mm-hmm. They just want their pain to end. Yeah. And they can't see another way out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much about wanting to be dead as like what's happening right now feels insurmountable. Yeah. And a lot of us, I think, can empathize with that, whether or not you've thought about suicide or even think you've had passive suicidal thoughts. We can empathize with feeling so much pain, insurmountable situation that you just don't feel or see a way out of. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's important to keep in mind what the person has to be going through and feeling in order to get to that point. Yeah. It's not just a flippant thing. Mm-hmm. So for context, like I'd love to, to learn a little bit more about your story, obviously, because it provides insight into, you know, where this perspective comes from, but also because I just think it's really relatable and really just humanizes this topic. So can you share like where this all started and kind of take it from there? Yeah. So you know, this is my experience and I've talked about my depression before, but just to give a brief overview for anyone who hasn't listened to earlier episodes, I started experiencing really intense feelings of depression, probably around 15, 16. And because I didn't really know what depression was and I didn't understand that it wasn't just me who felt like this, I tried my best to keep it under wraps and to kind of push it away and keep it from everybody. So until I moved away to college and then it became so much worse that I had to get help. Mm -hmm. And basically there was no choice. There was no hiding it anymore. Yeah. So there's really this period of time in high school and, you know, high school's already so like emotionally charged and Mm -hmm. dramatic. And so part of me felt like, is this just like teen angst? But I was like, I don't think other people are feeling the same way as me, you know? Yeah. And like having these thoughts, but I didn't realize, I don't remember like realizing I was having suicidal thoughts. I don't think I knew that that's what it was. Like it just went hand in hand with the depression. So like I never would have described it as suicidal thoughts because I wasn't actually thinking I want to die or thinking of like how it would happen. But I would think more of like, I just don't want to be around. Like I don't want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. or like. I wish I could just sleep, like take a big sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Capital B, capital S. Exactly. Yeah. And I later learned that that's called passive suicidal ideation. There are a lot of factors that can cause passive suicidal ideation. Some of them are persistent depression, feelings of loneliness or rejection and hopelessness for the future. And like, I've felt all of those things before. So it kind of, you know, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you talked about 
passive suicidal ideation and we've talked about active in the past as well. So can you explain kind of what those two things, I mean, you've already explained passive, but can you explain the difference between the two and how to sort of identify them in ourselves and in our loved ones? Yeah. So passive is that, you know, having those thoughts without having any feeling of action or intent behind them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of more of a dull ache Mm -hmm. type of thing that you're feeling. And some of those thoughts that I mentioned can be indicators of that. Yeah. And active is kind of when it goes a step further. I really view, and I think it's helpful to view suicidal ideation on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So you can have the passive thoughts and then let's say, let's take that a step further where now they're a little bit more active. You can feel more intent behind them or motivation, or it doesn't seem that far off. You know, it's not, you're not making the plan. You're not going to do it. Like you, you know, you're not going to do it, but you have this feeling inside yourself that like you could. Yeah. Like you're flirting with the idea. Yeah. And like, again, this is just my experience. These, this description is not coming from like any of my teaching, Mm -hmm. but this is how I viewed it and experienced it. So there's kind of that where maybe you're thinking more about how, Mm -hmm. or it's just jumped into your head. Like it's, also kind of like an intrusive thoughts thing where you're like, I wasn't asking for this. I was just driving to work. Right. You know? Yeah. Nikki Glazer talks about that a lot that like the thoughts that come into her head, like don't even feel like her own, but they're there all the time. Yeah. Just like you should, you should do this. Mm-hmm. You should kill yourself. You should like figure this out type of thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a thing that's interesting to, to think about that. Like these thoughts aren't even like from yourself often, like you're like battling, but it's so exhausting to have them there and then have to deal with them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that is such a good point because that's exactly it. Like it, it doesn't feel like another person, but it feels like another force within yourself. Yeah. And you're constantly fighting it Mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. And it's exhausting and yeah. it's scary too. Mm-hmm. You're like, where the fuck is this coming from? Like, yeah. why is this happening? Why can't I, you know, stop feeling this way? Like it's so forceful or mm-hmm. it can be so forceful that it can, it just can become exhausting. Yeah. You know, yeah. and a lot of times it's just, you, you're, people get tired. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. And I've like seen it happen, Yeah, you know, and like, from kind of like the beginning to the end and just like that whole process of just like dealing with it and getting to like the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you are just like, holy shit. Like that was a fucking like journey. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I know like, you know, we're having this conversation kind of like not on the outside, but not obviously like when you're having some of these like thoughts and experiences. And so you can, and you've said this multiple times that we've been kind of chatting about what this episode was going to look like. And one of the things that you kept reiterating was that active and passive thoughts are temporary, but when you're having them, it feels so permanent and hopeless. Yeah. And I want you to talk more about what it feels like first and foremost, so that people who can relate just know that they're not alone and that like these thoughts and feelings like will come and go, but also as your friend, like understanding what it really actually feels like for you to be in it really like it helps me know like a what your experience is so that I can be there with you in it yeah and like kind of also know what voice I'm speaking to if we're having a conversation about it because like you said it's like can feel like this force that's not even you so can you just speak a little bit more on what it feels like when you're having those thoughts like in the moment yeah definitely and I you mentioned and this is something I wanted to reiterate so I want to make it very clear that I've experienced suicidal ideation. I've experienced passive for most of, you know, being depressed. And I've had a few experiences with active suicidal ideation. That is not now. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not currently experiencing that. That is in the past. So I'm safe and good. I just, I want to make that clear so people know where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, I can talk about it this way because I'm out of it and it, you know, don't expect somebody who's in it to be able to talk about it like this. You know what I mean? Because like I wasn't able to do that when I was in the middle of the experience, you Mm -hmm. know? So I feel like when things start to get more active, it really feels like something else is taking over your brain. Like, Mm -hmm. and again, this is my experience, but like, I remember, so there's like the passive. And then I remember one time feeling it be a little bit more active. And I was like, 
having more intrusive thoughts of like, oh, well, I could just. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that happened a couple of times. And I was like, what's going on? I thought I was just like having really bad depression. But then I was like, these thoughts aren't what I'm used to. They're not yeah. normal. They're not uncommon, but they're not normal. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to my psychiatrist and I also started to notice, and this is just my experience. Again, I have no fucking idea if this makes any sense, mm-hmm. but I started to notice that it was happening when I was on my period. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned that to my psychiatrist and he adjusted my depression medication, mm-hmm. but also suggested I talk to my gynecologist. And so I did. And what we ended up doing was just skipping the sugar pills in the because I'm on birth control, oral contraceptive birth mm-hmm. control. And that helped mm-hmm. and that went away. Like I was not experiencing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And then another time it wasn't so easily explained or not easily, but it wasn't surrounding my period. It wasn't because of that or that wasn't part of it. So I, I ruled that out. Yeah. And I felt like my brain was on a drug. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know when you get really drunk and you go to the bathroom and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm drunk. <laughs> yes. That's how I felt all the time. I was mm-hmm. like, this isn't me. Like, I'm not, I just, I can't even explain. Like, there's like this, I felt like there's like a compression on my brain, like so weighed down. Mm -hmm. And I felt like just, I couldn't lift myself up and I was pushing against this heavy weight in my brain. Like I remember like thinking my brain wasn't the same. It wasn't processing right. It wasn't, I couldn't talk right. Like I felt like a different person. Like And I saw myself doing that in conversation even. Like I would just be sitting there, you Mm -hmm. know, and like have nothing to say even when I was trying to respond, you know, or like I couldn't think of the words even that I was trying to say too. Like I felt so distracted Mm -hmm. and just, it was, everything was exponentially harder. And I just, I felt like I was counting the minutes. I was just trying to get to when I could go to sleep Mm -hmm. because not only was it, you know, I made it through another day, but it was okay. I get to have some relief now. I get to go to sleep. Yeah. I'll say that, you know, for me, nothing happened. There was no event that spurred this and that's not true for everybody, Mm -hmm. but that was true for me. And so I was really, really caught off guard because it also came on really fast for me. And I felt scared. Like I felt like I didn't have control over these feelings. And I knew rationally everything because I've worked in this field, you know? So I know rationally, like these feelings are temporary. I know I'll feel good again. I know that there's resources and help out there and I can talk to my psychiatrist and I can go to therapy and all of that. And I know that people love me. Like I know that I have a job and a house and everything's okay. And people love me, but all of that stuff is like literally like tossing a feather at a rock. Mm -hmm. Like it just does not penetrate at all. Yeah. And I don't, and I wished that it could. I remember being in it and being like, I wish that these words would do anything to me, but they weren't. I know. That's like what I really noticed as well. Like you wanted so badly, like you were trying so hard to like connect to like mm-hmm. your reality. Yeah. Like, and that was like one thing that was like, I think it's really important for people who are on the other side of the table from, you know, or like sitting next to whatever is that like you were giving everything that you could to like see things for what that you knew they were. Yeah. And yet this like experience like still persisted inside of you. (laughs) I don't mean to get emotional, but it was just like... Like my heart just like I felt it for you, you know? Yeah. Um, but all that was to say that just like, if you're on the other side, it's like that person has already like probably thought about like all of the things. Like I could just see you trying to like, you're like going through it, you know, and like trying to connect and trying to like get out of it. But like, it was just there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And it is, it's really hard, especially when you want so badly 
for the people that you love to be okay, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of times people will remind you, you know, of all the people that you love or who would miss you if you were gone. And mm-hmm. yes, like, yes, you want to hear that. You want to know that you want to be reminded of that. But also there's something about this, that this is just inherent to the experience that just whatever this like forces in your brain is telling you, like you are a burden. Mm-hmm. Like everyone will be fine if you're gone, probably better. Like they might be sad for a minute, but then they'll move on and it'll be better, mm-hmm. you know? And they won't have to deal with this all the time. And you really feel in your brain that it's all the time. And that's that everyone is just carrying you and you're a burden and just, it will be better. And that was the weirdest thing for me, honestly, because anytime I'd had passive suicidal ideation before, I would immediately think of like the people in my life and be like, well, no, yeah, we're not going to do that. You know, like, <laughs> right. and then with this experience, I really felt like so disconnected from reality and also like from the people who loved me, even if they were right in front of me, that. I could argue against that love and say like, it would be better, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's such a fight, like constantly, it's constantly a fight and like trying so hard not to believe those things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe it's helpful for someone to hear. So for me, this experience was really difficult and I just I knew something was wrong Mm -hmm. like I felt wrong to my core I was Mm -hmm. just like this is wrong and I as much as I was exhausted and tired and I felt like I was gonna have to do this forever I also knew the steps yeah I knew that there were options I knew what I was supposed to do in this scenario and so I was gonna do it because I was supposed to and that's what the people in my life would want me to do, you know, at the time, like, I, I don't know like what really motivated me to do it besides that I had known before I'd gotten into this state that that's what you do, you know? Yeah. So for me, thankfully I already had a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So that is something that can be difficult for people to get access to if they don't already have one. But there, again, there are resources that I'm going to include for that. But for me, I knew I just, and one of our friends, uh, thankfully mentioned it to me that, do you think there's something going on with your medicine? Mm -hmm. Because I've been on antidepressants for what's 18. How old am I? 11 years (laughs) um for 11 years and I've been on the same one for nine Mm -hmm. or eight eight or nine um the same dosage too no it's up uh after a little bit you know so like but not by much but I'm yeah so it's consistently it's been yeah it's been the same one for eight or nine years. And then I added on like, you know, there's like a little add-ins or whatever. So I felt like I was just super fucked up. Yeah. Cause I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, well this thing was working and now I'm just like depressed supreme. Right. And like, it's now it's beating. It's like, it's super beating out the, like for a while the medicine was, be- was beating it and now it's grown and right. it's beating it out more. Like I was just like, damn, and that honestly did really contribute to the hopelessness. Yeah. Um, that And that's a big part of feeling suicidal is I, I, I felt such a lack of hope for anything, mm-hmm. for anything to get better, for me to achieve anything or have anything in my life that I would ever want. And all I could see is I'm going to feel this way forever. Mm-hmm. And if I want to, continue living I'm going to have to keep fighting this forever yeah I did not see it letting up and dealing with the medication there made me feel more hopeless because the medication was the thing that gave me relief yeah so now it's not working right I'm like well fuck yeah and also the medication process is so fucking annoying because and this is just my personal rant Mm -hmm. about psychiatry um (laughs) because it's really kind of like a bit of a guessing game. Yeah. 
because psychiatric drugs are prescribed based on a clump of symptoms. They're mm-hmm. not based on a test or, yeah. you know, something concrete, like looking inside. Right. Um, which is not really common in the medical field. Right. And so it's kind of like a lot of testing things out, which is like, okay, we're just going to like play fast and loose with my brain here. Right. It seems like there should be a better way. Right. It actually is kind of surprising that there's not. I know. Especially with like depression and stuff, like with the ADHD stuff, that's, I feel like that makes sense. But like, yeah, well, and the thing is, it's like you can diagnose it for sure based off of symptoms. Right. But if we're going to figure out what medication is going to work best and there's all these different ones. Yeah. And the side effects are pretty high. Right. And also might just make you suicidal. Then like, yeah. Anyways, but we're existing in reality again. And this is the situation. So I, even though I felt like hopeless about it, I did reach out to my psychiatrist and just say like, I need to get in yeah, right away. And thankfully I got an appointment just a couple of days later Mm -hmm. and I talked to my psychiatrist about the medication and what I was feeling and I started on a new medication and I started to feel better in a couple of days, mm-hmm. which was amazing because I was like, if this doesn't work, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Yeah. So I think I never thought about my medications being the issue like that if I was taking the same thing and something changed, mm-hmm. you know, like. I had switched medications before and had an issue with that, but I was like, okay, well, I was changing something. Yeah. Nothing had changed. And then all of a sudden I was feeling this way. And now that I've experienced that, I've talked to other people and psychiatrists and they have shared with me that this happens, you know, especially for people who have chronic depression, that they're on medication for a long time and they're dealing with this throughout their life, that things can just change like your body's always changing your hormones are changing your chemicals are changing I don't fucking know I'm not a scientist yeah but I do know that you can be doing all the right things taking all your medications and things can change yeah and I say that because I didn't know that and so I felt so hopeless when it happened but if you know that then you can know that there is a kind of solution quote unquote solution or an option to change your medication. It doesn't mean that no medication is going to work for you ever again, which is kind of how I felt. Um, It just means that we might need to change some things up. Yeah. You know, so it, it can be really frustrating and discouraging, but there are still options out there. And unfortunately this is just kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, this is our thing. You know, if you, if you have depression, it's kind of like, Okay. You know, I, I've started to, in this process, really associate more with people who have chronic illnesses Mm -hmm. because I never really, there's like people I follow on Instagram and stuff who have like autoimmune diseases or chronic pain or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a whole community around it. And I've always, you know, empathized with that and seen some of the things and related to some of it. And I think that the longer I deal with this and the more I interact with depression, the more I kind of have to come to terms with how much this is my life yeah, and my thing, you know, everybody has something. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, a lot of things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, cause I was feeling like really fucking sorry for myself mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, I was like, why do I have, I have to deal with this forever. I'm going to always have to deal with this. Like I'm so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep having to fight and try and whatever. And, you know, thankfully there are resources and things that will make that easier Um, but kind of coming to terms with the fact that like, okay, this is my fight. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. This was like my journey. I know we talked about that like a couple of times, like after everything. And, um, I think like it can help like eliminate some of that fatigue when you kind of like come to that place of acceptance. Yeah. But I also think it's really valid to be like, this sucks. And like, I hate this for myself and I don't want to deal with this. Right. And you have to let yourself do that. I think there's like kind of a mourning. Yeah. Um, And for me, it's been more incremental because I kind of continually coming to terms with that. Like, Mm -hmm. but there's kind of a morning of 
the idea you had in your brain that like you weren't going to have to interact with this again. Totally. Like if I just take my medicine, I will be good. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Yeah. 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 Well, um, thank you for taking us to the bathroom floor. That is literally the bathroom floor. I absolutely had this <laughs> breakdown on my bathroom floor. You did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were literally on the bathroom yes. floor with you. Crying into a towel. <laughs> <laughs> we can joke about it when it's like over, but not when it's exactly. In the if yeah. This has been a while, so yeah. I can joke about it now. Yeah. But for honestly, sure. I feel the safest there. On the bathroom floor? Yeah. Bathroom and kitchen floors are just where it's at. 100%. My bathroom's smaller, so it's mm-hmm. more like... It's a burrito. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There, yeah, there's no better... There's no place I could be more honest than on the kitchen floor for me. Oh, yeah. Sitting up against my stove, I'm like, literally nothing matters. I can say anything yes. right now. Yes, it's grounding. <laughs> there's actually yeah. science behind that. The more surface of your body that's like on the ground oh. calms your nervous system. That makes sense. Yeah. I fell asleep on a wood floor the other night, so... that. Like, Goodness. That makes sense. Um, okay, so let's transition into conversation around this topic, both from the perspective of someone who's going through it and with someone from someone who's with someone in it, like as a parent, friend, spouse, whatever. Yeah. Because just to reiterate, like I just think there is so much helpful and non-helpful verbiage around it. And like you said before, like when you're in it, it's really so cloudy to see. And I think from both sides, like when you're having these thoughts and when you're with somebody who's having these thoughts, like it all feels scary and serious. It's terrifying. And I think there's just a a burden, not to any fault of anybody's that kind of can cloud like your judgment and how you talk. Yeah. And also like, we don't know how to talk about this because we don't know. Like this this isn't something that's normally talked about. Yeah. So I, I do really want to acknowledge, and I mentioned this to you earlier, but I want to acknowledge it to everyone because being on the other side of it, being the friend or the person that's, you know, they're being told that their friend or loved one is feeling suicidal is awful. Like that's scary. It's uncomfortable and you don't know what to do. And it's like, you're so anxious and that's scary. So yeah. like, I don't... I want to, I don't think one takes away from the other. I want to acknowledge that too, mm-hmm. because both experiences are hard and I've been on that side too. So I kind of know what that feels like too. And it's just to say that like, nobody knows how to do this right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. There's nobody's going to be perfect at it and you don't have to be perfect or say the perfect thing to help the person that you love. Yeah. Like you don't have to say the right thing. You just have to be there. 100%. There are some things that can be more helpful than others. And there are some things that can be like a little damaging, but in general, being there is what helps the most. Yeah. I love the idea. And Glennon Doyle talks about this in the context of parenting that like your job as a parent, and I think the same is true for a friend or just person in the world. It's not to fix anything when somebody's going through a difficult time. It's not to like take it away. It's just to be with that person through yes. it and to sit with them through it. And I think um, there is a lot of like power just like in the silent presence of like two people going through something together. hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's so true because there, and it's also why it's difficult because our brains as humans are wired to find solutions and to fix. Mm -hmm. So when we're uncomfortable or there's a problem, we immediately want to fix it. And that's natural. Mm -hmm. Like that's your biology working. So you do kind of have to fight that when you're in that situation. And so one of the things we talk about is, how you interact like if somebody says to you I'm thinking about suicide Mm -hmm. or I just don't want to be around anymore or anything like that and one of the hardest things I think being in that position is that you really have to put off an air of calm Mm -hmm. and non-judgmental yeah and you kind of have to unfortunately like you know, so they say like putting off this sense of confidence Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily love the word confidence there, but I think this like allowing your belief that you're going to get through it to be shown to the other person, you know, and it is scary 
and shocking, but you don't want to show that to the person because what you want to do is make the person who's sharing this with you feel like you can handle what they're sharing with you. Yeah. Because that is honestly like everybody says, reach out, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody says, not everybody, obviously, but everybody in your life who cares about you says to reach out. Yeah. But think about how fucking hard it is to bring this to someone you love and say this terrible, scary thing Mm -hmm. and put this on their doorstep. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable for them. You know, it's going to be hard for them. It's hard for you. Yeah. And so, and it does sometimes feel like, I don't think this person can handle it. Mm -hmm. And also not just that they can't handle it, but when you're in that place, something that I've realized or like kind of put verbiage to is like, I am so in it right now and I'm so tired and exhausted and fighting with myself that I can't fight with you too. Like I can't explain or validate this to you. Right. So if you try to invalidate this or give me all these reasons why it's not real or true or anything, it's not going to work. Like I can't, I'm just going to walk away. Yeah, withdraw. right. Because the other side is like, I just think about, you know, like having to fight or feel shame about somebody saying, well, like, look at all these things that are going well for you or look at your life or like, I love you so much or whatever. Like it almost inflicts this like even greater burden to like justify the feeling and the experience. Exactly. And it's like also there's this like weird experience of like I'm trying to justify or validate what I'm experiencing to you while I'm also trying to invalidate it to myself yeah. because I'm fighting against it. Right. You know? So it's like, I don't, it, it just becomes very difficult. And so, and it's like, yes, all of those things, you know, that you have great things going on in your life. People love you. There's reasons to live. All that stuff can be true. And, but when someone's sharing that they're feeling that it often makes you feel more guilty. Exactly. And it makes you feel more shame too, because you're like, yeah, yeah. there's something wrong. Like, right. yeah, I'm broken. Right. I know. Like, right. yes, all these people love me and I still can't connect to that. And I still can't, that's still not changing how I feel. And so I feel guilty Yeah, and like, yeah, I am super fucked up and there is no hope here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So let's like give some examples oh, on yeah, yeah. helpful versus unhelpful things to say. Yeah. So one thing that is really important to address and kind of change. There's, there's a lot of stigmatizing language out there and I'm a huge proponent of rhetoric. I think that the way you talk about things hugely impacts how people feel about it Mm -hmm. and the way we deal with it. So for a big period of time, the common phrase was committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And we all say that. We don't say that. We all say that. Um, so we don't say that anymore because if you think about the other context that the word committed is used in, Mm -hmm. so often it's, uh, committed a crime Mm -hmm. and that's actually where this comes from. Mm -hmm. And it's also committed a sin, which is also where this comes from because suicide is thought of as a sin in some religions and it was a crime at one time. So what we say now is someone died by suicide or um, you could say lost their life to suicide or lost a battle with suicide, something along those lines. I, Whenever you're wondering, what should I say or am I saying this the wrong way, sub in another disease. Mm-hmm. So we always talk about, you know, you would never say someone successfully died of cancer or committed cancer, committed cancer. Exactly. So then there's also the, some people say successful suicide and there's no success there, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or unsuccessful suicide, which refers to an attempt. So you want to say suicide attempt instead of unsuccessful suicide or, or you can say suicide survivor. Mm -hmm. So these are just some ways, you know, that changing your language can really change the judgment behind it. Yeah. Which all of this leads to people being less afraid to speak up. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's really important that people realize that. I think our generation realizes it a lot more, but it's not just, you know, we're not splitting, we're not just splitting hairs here. Like the way that you say things 
implies a judgment that then creates a stigma that then makes people keep quiet when they're having these thoughts. And that's where it's dangerous. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, like what you're saying is it all contributes to this general tone, you know, of like what this reality is that is obviously like extremely harmful. So I think that's a really important thing to point out. Yeah, 100%. So some other things that I've experienced and most people who have been in this position have experienced and it, it comes from a good place, but... Um, the way you word things, uh, when you're asking the question or if you're talking to someone about whether or not they're suicidal can really inform how they respond. So you want to remember that everything in this person's body is telling them not to say anything Mm -hmm. and they're terrified to admit it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you are talking about, you know, people say like, you're not thinking of suicide, are you? And you put the answer right in the question. Like you told me what you want me to say. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take extra courage for me to go against that then, you know? Yeah. Or like, you're not going to do something stupid, like kill yourself. Right. You get, do we see why that's wrong? I think that one goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are talking about it, you want to talk about it in a really matter of fact, non-judgmental way. Yeah. So if you do want to ask, you just want to say, are you thinking about suicide Mm -hmm. or are you thinking about killing yourself? And that can be really scary and hard and uncomfortable to say out loud, but getting more comfortable with those words and talking about it makes it a lot less scary. Mm -hmm. So some other things that really grind my gears People saying suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Like, I don't even care if that's true. Yeah. You know, like, I guess because we know that there are solutions and that this is temporary and you will not always feel this way forever. Yeah. But it's like so invalidating to the experience. Like it's what we talk about all the time. Like it doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that it's not fucking helpful right now. Exactly. Like, okay, thanks. Right. Right. Like, okay. What am I supposed to do with that though? Right. Like that's doesn't feel this way. Exactly. Guilting or shaming someone into not doing it is never going to stop them from doing it. Like that's not what's going to help them. It's just being like, oh, you're right. I was being so dumb. Right. Right. Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think about I that. I have never heard that before. Thank you so much. <laughs> you should write a book. <laughs> um, another one I've seen is suicide takes the pain away from you and transfers it or puts it on your loved ones. Oh, I've not seen that one before, but yeah. that feels... I haven't seen it that much, but I did see it and it did stick. Yeah. Well, it's just perpetuating shame again. It's like using shame as a tactic to right. like. Right. And then you also, then behavior. you feel so guilty because exactly. you're like, I can't stop these thoughts. Yeah. And I'm, a lot of times people in this position, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to. And now I just feel even worse yeah. thinking about that I'm going to cause this pain. Right. You know? Yeah. And then that makes you be like, well, why? I shouldn't be around that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's almost like, like uses a weapon in the sense that like, if we don't say things like that, then like people will just be like, yay, now I can do it. But right. that's, like, that's not that's the reality not at what's all. Happen. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then I've also heard, um, like suicide is a like cowardly way out. Mm. Um, which is just like super fucked up. I heard that one time around a death by suicide and um, it was just like heartbreaking to hear right. because it's like when you know the person and like, you know, you know them and it's like, yeah, well, and it's like you, you know, the fight that they were fighting, yeah. like, yeah, you know, it wasn't that they, I, it's just, it's just not anywhere in there. That's not what this is. Totally. You know, it's, you would never say that somebody who died from cancer was just too scared. Yeah. Or not strong enough. Yeah. You would never say that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It can be kind of difficult to give really good phrases mm-hmm. for what to say or how to respond to someone because it is kind of more about just being there and being non-judgmental. 
But some that can look like, you know, just saying like, thank you for sharing that with me mm-hmm. or just empathizing. So it's like, yeah, it sounds like that would be fucking exhausting. Yeah. Like people real when I've said that to people and then people being like, yeah, no wonder you're fucking tired. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you yeah, get it. Exactly. <laughs> um, is that's like su- super validating to me. Yeah. So kind of just validating being like, yeah, it it makes sense that you're having a really hard time with this or like, it sounds like you're in a lot of pain. Yeah. All of those things kind of, you're kind of reiterating what they're telling you and letting them know that you hear them and you understand. Mm -hmm. You don't need to give them a solution. Mm -hmm. And also just saying, reminding them like you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest things for me in my experience, when I was in that, I I mean, I, I wish I had the proper metaphor for this, But I just, I felt like there was this like dark shield Mm -hmm. keeping me from like reality and myself and the people around me. And most of what people said, like did not permeate that shield, Mm -hmm. you know, any of the, it's like, yes, they're, it's all good to hear for sure. Yeah. And like knowing you're loved and, and all of that and that there's options and everything is good to hear, but it it didn't make me feel better. Mm -hmm. The only thing that made me feel like some relief or a little bit better was hearing we will fight this together Mm -hmm. or like we will deal with this together. And that still, you know, it still felt like it sucks that this is what I have to deal with and this is my life. And now Mm -hmm. it's your life because you're my friend, but staring up that mountain and thinking I'm going to have to keep pushing this by myself is terrifying and exhausting and makes you feel so hopeless. You just want to give up. Yeah. And knowing that someone else is going to like push with you Mm -hmm. just, yeah, it just makes you feel less alone. And it it, it made me feel better. You yeah. know, I don't know if that's going to be true for everybody. And the things that didn't might make other people feel better, you know? Yeah. But for me, because a lot of it was that I felt like such a burden. And this is like probably said a hundred times the podcast, like we could all take a shot for this. But I felt like I was the only, like, I felt like my darkness was now I got distracted by my own saying and I don't even know what I was saying. I also was like, we should turn the podcast into a drinking game. Ah, yes. That's what your face was. Okay. Yes. Um, but like, I feel like my darkness is like a burden to my friends. So I feel Mm -hmm. like they have to deal with it all the time and I'm going to lose my friends and the people close to me because of this. Yeah. So that's like a huge fear for me. So someone saying, I'm going to do this with you. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just give her a shout out again. Amanda said to me, she was like, if we have to fight this for the rest of your life, we will. Yeah. And like that hit me to my core because she's been with me since I was two. Yeah. She's been doing it. Mm -hmm. And like her saying, I'm signing on to do this forever until, you know, for 50 years, if we have to, even if it doesn't let up, like was that hit? Like, I don't even, that was just, it was amazing to me because she was saying, even if the worst thing happens that we're, we have to deal with this forever every Mm -hmm. day, Mm -hmm. we'll do it. Yeah. Where like, that was my biggest fear, you know? Mm -hmm. So like speaking to that biggest fear is what really helped because my biggest fear was like, okay, yeah, we're all going to deal with this now, but what, what about when it happens again? Yeah. And again, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and hopefully it won't, but in my case, it probably will, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't for everybody, you know, you can have suicidal ideation once and, um, not have it again, but, um, it's, it's not uncommon that it'll happen again. And, you know, for me, especially with having underlying mental illnesses, uh, there's a pretty good chance. Yeah. And that's scary, but, um, you know, knowing what you're dealing with and having safe people around you and resources are kind of like, you know, you're putting safety nets in place and Mm -hmm. you know what you're going to deal with. So I think, 
yeah, like one of the biggest things for me is just having that fear that it's just going to be too much for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like an insane thing to like have a fear about, but I right. think like recognizing like when you have people in your life that are like, come hell or high water, I'm wearing your jersey. It's like, you just have to like fall back on that and be like, okay. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and that was a huge kind of lesson in that mm-hmm. because I had no option, but to, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times I can t- suffer in silence or whatever and be like, I'm just going to hunker down and deal with this on my own. And that was not an option this time. Yeah. You know, I had to, I had to reach out and use those people. And it was hard because I was like, I don't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember like, and one of the best things I would say that's almost better than, you know, really saying anything is just physically being present mm-hmm. for me anyway, with you and a couple of other people. Like, I think we would just sit in silence, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like, that's what I needed, Yeah, you know? And like a lot of times in a lot of other things in my life, like we could talk it to death and I probably do need to talk for like four hours. Yeah. But with this, I was like, there's nothing to say. You know, once I've told you what I'm feeling, there's no analysis or, you know, solution or anything like that. I And I I didn't have anything else. I was like, I don't know what else to say, you Mm -hmm. know? So being able just to be there in silence and that be okay is, you know, really helpful. Yeah. I think too, like, I think that was the week that I sent you those, um, animal talking heads as well. It was. So I think like, it's important to kind of like, go, like realize that like your friend is still a real like person, you know, like don't talk to them like they're a patient or like anything like other, you know, like that's so true. You know, that's so true. It was fun to kind of like break through like and laugh a little bit and like have some of that lighthearted, like talking pig. I loved it. It made me laugh so much. And like, it also felt like, yeah, like you were my friend, Mm -hmm. you were Emily, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I remember seeing it and I was just like, this is exactly the way that Emily shows love. Mm -hmm. And it made me so happy. Like it, that did like take me out of it for a minute, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's such a great point because especially when you're, when you know they're going through it, you know, there's a lot of time in there Mm -hmm. that that might be happening and you're not going to constantly just be like, are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay? What are you thinking? How's it going? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, I'm here for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, kind of putting some of that in there is really helpful in just a little bit of a lighthearted way. Yeah. And that's again, after you've had the initial discussion right? and you just kind of know somebody's in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like in the mental health first aid, we talk about it and we say like, if somebody tells you that they have diabetes and they, they tell you that in one conversation, you see them the next day at the coffee pot, you don't say like, Hey, how's that diabetes? Yeah, for sure. It just, you don't talk about it every time you talk to them, you know? Yeah. And, and yes, it's, it's good to check in and check up and like once in a while, but it's not everything that they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So through your experience with the crisis text line, you've talked about this a little bit on the podcast and you have talked to so many people who are experiencing these types of thoughts. And obviously you've experienced this yourself and you have so many resources. So I just want you to roll them out, baby. Let's hear them. All right. Yeah. So I just, in case anyone's curious, I used to volunteer for crisis text line. I was a crisis text line counselor. So I had conversations with people who were in crisis Mm -hmm. and suicidal for years. And I also am now a mental health first aid instructor. So I have certification in that. So that's kind of where some of this comes from um, in terms of resources. So the first one is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, Mm -hmm. which the number is now 988. So this is new. It just was implemented in July. Um, It used to be, and it still is like, I don't have the long number listed here anymore, but you can still call that long number. It's like in 800. But the reason this was implemented was to make it easier to remember and Mm -hmm. access so people could call or text. You can text as well. And then also crisis text line. It's 741741. That is a text only 
you can text them, you know, if you're feeling suicidal, but also if you know someone who is, or if you're just in a different kind of crisis. Mm -hmm. So, and a crisis is defined by whatever's a crisis to you. Mm -hmm. So it can be a range of things. Also, I do want to mention that mental health first aid is an amazing course that honestly everyone should take. I didn't know you could take it. Like I can take it. Anybody can take it. Yeah. Can I take it online? You, so you have, it is given by an instructor. Okay. So like, you can do it over Zoom, yeah. which is where I've done all mine. But okay. you have to like be a part of a course. It's not yeah. like a passive. Right, right. You know what I'm Watch saying? Watch this video, take this quiz, now you're certified. Right. It's- like you do some of that and then you do, it's a six hour course like okay. with an instructor. Cool. So, but anybody can take it and it's offered in most communities. So mm-hmm. like you can look for it being offered in your community. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's like basically like CPR, mm-hmm. but for mental health. So it's something that everybody should know. It's very common to experience someone going through a mental health challenge. And it's not just about suicide that is mm-hmm. one segment in the course so you learn a lot and you learn you just really learn a lot about how to talk about it yeah and get comfortable with that yeah also nami which is the national alliance for mental illness the trevor project is lgbtq plus youth specific so that number is 866-488-7386 And then also the trans lifeline for transgender individuals. And that is 877-565-8860. And I'm going to put all these in the notes. So if you didn't catch it, don't worry, scroll down. And, you know, that's some of the main ones, but there's all kinds of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of help out there. There's a world of professionals who do this for a living. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and sharing all these resources. I think this is such a brave episode to do and you just did it so beautifully and I love you so much and I am so much better because of you and because of your story and your intelligence and your experience. (laughs) Okay. I'm dying now. (laughs) Um, I love you too. And honestly, thank you for doing this with me. Like I couldn't do it by myself. I couldn't do it really. I don't think with anybody else, like you are so good at talking about this and asking questions and being non-judgmental. So thanks for doing this with me, being my partner. No one else I'd rather be here with baby. Mm. Okay. Last thing for anybody who is feeling this is feeling suicidal or if they just want to give up or they don't want to be around. Obviously I get it. I've been there and it's not the norm. Like you don't have to feel this way forever, but it is okay. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do anything for a while, if you just get by, if you eat off styrofoam plates and don't do your laundry and sleep and you're, that's okay. You're Mm -hmm. in it right now. You're fighting something. You are going through it. And so give yourself a break And remember that this isn't your fault. You didn't do this to yourself. It's not because of anything that you did or there's something wrong with you. You know, there's just, it happens to people and it's just like any other illness and there's help out there. Um, And there's people out there who are not going to judge you and who understand what you're going through. So I just hope that anybody who has felt this way or is feeling this way if maybe this helps you, you know, reach out to someone safe and just let them know what you're thinking or feeling and kind of have some language around that. Um, and also to know that like there is hope and that might not resonate with you right now. Probably won't, but sometimes just even, even knowing that that is true, even if it doesn't feel true to you Mm -hmm. or you don't believe it, um, can kind of push you along, you know, like it did for me. Like I was like, I don't want to do this, but I know in some world that I should. Mm-hmm. So there's hope, there's help out there, there's resources. Um, and you're not alone. Never alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I just think you're amazing. I love you so much. <laughs> like I... I love you so much. I think this is a really important topic. And I think obviously like we're all impacted by it in some way. And I think it's really powerful to hear from someone like you who can speak candidly about her experiences and also bring resources and perspective in the way that you do. 
So I'm just grateful for you. And um, yeah, I mean, I would echo like anybody who's feeling this way, like you are not alone and people are going to walk with you through it. And, you know, like there are safe people in the world and we love you so much. And yeah, I'm so sorry that you're going through this and it will, and it will get better. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this episode, subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This feels super weird to do right (laughs) after all that talk, but you know, leave us a five-star review. Give us those reviews. Yeah. Um, (laughs) give us a follow on Instagram at trolley.mental. Um, all through the month of September, we're going to be sharing more, uh, suicide prevention content. Um, share this episode with your friends or loved ones or anybody. If you have a topic you want us to cover questions, you can always DM or email us. If you want resources, always reach out. Have a wonderful week. Happy hump day. And we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.